0: I got friends only talk business. I got expensive is expensive. I got expensive, is expensive
1: Welcome everybody to this uh put that coffee down special edition here on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday, right? Still is. August third, still Tuesday <laughs> for, for another uh, twelve hours, actually. Uh August third. I am not Kevin Hill, I'm Mike Vincent sitting in for for Kevin Hill and he is Richie Daigle, as always. How are you my friend? See, hey, Michael Benson. It's good to be
2: back with you, man.
1: How's life it. been? It's going great. Yeah? It's going great. Everybody buying that sonar? They're loving it?
2: Yeah? yeah. People are buying sonar cuz people are buying stuff.
1: <laughs> people are buying stuff <laughs> and you have to move it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. Hey, uh, this episode is brought to you by Surge Transportation. It's the fastest-growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and a chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. We're hiring as well.
2: We are. Lots of positions. Absolutely
1: are. Absolutely are. we got a great show today. We're going to be talking with uh, CEO of QuickBase, uh, Ed Jennings. They had a... Uh, uh, a, a survey out, talking to people about their automated processes, right?
2: Yeah. And the importance of resiliency in your supply chain. Which
1: I think we've all learned a big lesson over the last 18 months or almost, yeah, a little over 18 months.
2: You need it. Yeah, right? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's slightly important. <laughs> I, I would,
2: I would even go so far as to say your supply chain resiliency is currently being tested.
1: It probably is, and 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 we can talk to him about that and see p- how people are reacting. You're, you remember uh, during many of our excellent uh, uh, virtual events that we've had, we're going live in November, by the way, F3. Oh, yeah, right? it's going to be great. November 8th, 9th, 10th, yeah, right here in Chattanooga, the Bonnaroo of of, of freight, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> um, but you're talking about how it, your supply chain post-COVID, which I wish we were, I could say definitely we're post-COVID, but you got China going into lockdown and some other places that are having some issues as well around the United States, some hot spots as well. Hopefully we can get those under control. But saying that if your supply chain is the same now as it was pre-COVID, then you're, you're in some serious trouble,
2: right? Oh yeah. And, and it's the whole snow globe of freight has been shook and then shook again and then shook harder. And then just when we thought it was settling, it's being shook again. And yeah, so it's yeah. just constant volatility, constant changing. People are trying to adapt. There's congestion at ports. Let's look at a different port. Let's look at intermodal. Let's look, work, look at truckload. Can we fly stuff? All kinds of crazy questions that are that are happening. And people are taking actions and trying to figure out a way to solve this.
1: They are. And, and, and I think people are realizing and have realized, uh, if they haven't, they're under a rock, that they don't have to be involved with the port logistics are or, or heavily uh, balanced in uh, or, or invested in international trade or supply chain in order to be affected by these things, right? I mean, you look at the people that are in in uh, in Houston and around the port of Houston, those businesses, and uh, and and even in Dallas, where now you got Houston bringing in containers, right? And then these containers are not moving regionally like the normal or the the greater volume of freight that comes through that port, right, is is oilish, right? Is oil, it's chemical, it's that type of stuff. Regionally moves. Now you've got container freight that's coming past the Dallas market and past these things. And so that it's sucking that capacity out and, and really interplaying with Houston, or I'm sorry, with Dallas, Fort Worth, and so on, right?
2: It's making people scratch their heads. And it brings up one of my favorite quotes that uh, simple answers to complex questions are almost always wrong. <laughs> and and there's so many of these questions are, <laughs> no, are wait, very are com- say that again. I love that. Simple answers to complex questions are almost always wrong. Well, and what that- about
1: Occam's razor?
2: Oh, I'll play the devil's advocate. Well, we can go for a long time on that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know right, if we have time. Let's digress before yeah. we get
1: way off topic, which I feel we could do very very quickly. But the
2: point <laughs> being is that transportation is complex, and it there's is. a lot of interconnectedness, and when there's a. a Disrupting event in one section of the the, the industry it has ripple effects into other areas, yeah. and and we're seeing that play out. And that I, I guess it's a good segue into the sonar chart here. Yeah, let's check um, it out. What do you got? Yeah, so you know, going to call up on some of your expertise here, Mr. Vincent. But <laughs> uh, looking at Savannah, so in this first chart, we see in the blue line uh, import shipments or import volumes, maritime import volumes, coming into the port of Savannah. And we see in the green line, those TEU bookings, or TEU tenders for containers that are headed to Savannah. And basically what we're seeing is that imports are up and that trend looks to be continuing. There may be a small dip here in the near future, but it's not gonna last long. Import volumes are gonna stay rel- relatively elevated.
1: So, so this is, so the blue are the import shipments, the green are the TEU. Okay. right, yeah, and, and yeah. right. So they don't. I mean, they do trend with each other, but they don't necessarily mean the exact same thing, right? But right. A shipment can be several TEUs, or it could be many shipments in a TEU, right? And so they don't exactly think, correlate, right? And
2: you have to think about the differences in lanes, right? Like one yeah. maritime lane is going to take a few weeks, another one may take several weeks, and so forth, and so. And then you have to also weigh in congestion. You know, the the crews and the wonderful folks at the port of Savannah can only process so many containers in a day. Sure. And so, but it's a great leading indicator for looking at that green line to see directionally what should we be expected in terms of what is headed to the port. And basically what this chart is saying is there's a lot of freight being processed by the port and there's more freight on the way. However, in the second chart, and this Mm. is, where I want to call on your expertise here, we see those import volumes again, same blue line, but now the green line is outbound truckload volumes. Right. So, what? Where's the disconnect? Because we see truckload volumes going down at a pretty steady clip over the past <laughs> several days, all the while import volumes are going up. So, what's happening to that freight?
1: Yeah, it, it, and it's and it's a really interesting one, and I'm glad you put it up there. And I think that I think the the scale that you have it in there is actually quite 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 good because I mean you can get in trouble with with scales and seeing how they're things. So you got it on a on a dual which is nice so it's not it's not confusing each other. So <clears throat> first of all, the one thing I would say I'd just reiterate again real quick, it's not a huge point, but it is the shipments aren't teus and shipments don't necessarily translate into directly into truckloads, right? Because because of that. Right. Right. So a lot of that can go into warehouses, be transloaded and turned into LTL and and that type of stuff. So there is that. But the overall trend should match. And I would contend that you have to look at this. You have to look at other modes as well, because not everything that comes into the port of any port, really, and certainly Savannah is no different, actually goes onto a truck. Right. There's a lot of intermodal that happens. There's a lot that goes into distribution warehouses that stay there. Mm -hmm. Right. And then don't get released for quite some time or full TUs or container loads that then get parceled out as LTL later, right? So there's, there's differences there. And if you bring up, uh, I think there's a third chart here, um, almost like we planned this. What you're looking at here, if I uh, remember this correctly, hold on a second, let me bring it up here because i got it sitting right here. The blue is the outbound rail 40-foot containers loaded coming out of Savannah, is, is your blue. And the orange is truckload. So they don't necessarily hit each other, right? And there seems there's a bit of a delay. If we go back to the year chart, you'll see that they're, they're almost the same waves, but they're askew, right. they're a little bit of askew, right? So you see those imports and those TUs come in, then they process a little bit, and then they start coming out. Yep. You'll see this quite a bit in um, between LA and, and Ontario, where you'll see them come in and then you'll see the outbound out of Ontario pick up like a week later.
2: So how important is it if you're in sales, if you're in brokerage sales, if you're in transportation sales, if you're going into calls, how vital is this information if you're calling on companies in Savannah?
1: I'd say it's it's extremely vital if you're talking to uh, customers in Savannah, if you're you're a sales rep, because they don't see these things coming. And then they get whipped or they get caught off guard, even if they're not – even if, like we said before, even if they're not involved that heavily in in international trade, you can you can walk in there and confidently say, truckload capacity in this market is going to get tight in the next week. Yep. It's going to get very tight, and you need to be you need to be watching what's going on. Uh, at the very least, you're going to walk in there with knowledge, uh, and 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 be a be a thought leader, and they're going to be a, you're going to be a trusted resource. You're
2: going to be right? a consultative person. Or you're going to
1: right? be a consultative mode, which I think is is my favorite selling style. It's what I always did. Um, and I think it's the best. It may not be the fastest turnaround, but it's the strongest relationships and the longest relationships, in my opinion.
2: Couldn't agree more. I, I think that's spot on. And I, I, this is the importance, and I think we're going to get into this with Ed here in just a few minutes of being informed into what's going on in the in the in the overall environment before you're making these sales calls, and so that when you're ta- when you can provide value before you even getting to selling, right? Oh, you yeah, you can start saying are you aware of, did you know, do you see this trend? And if you have that information, you're empowered to be able to do that. Uh, And that can make all the difference in the world in terms of building long-standing relationships that are mutually beneficial and, you know, for the long run. Absolutely. And I, and
1: I watch you using social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, to to establish yourself. You're you're giving out really good nuggets of information out there. Uh, And, and, telling people what is about to happen and establishing yourself as a as that value that consult uh, consultative and mm-hmm. and um, yeah it's very very strong
2: very very strong I appreciate that way yeah. to do it
1: way to do it um i think we've got ed, so ed we've got ed jennings who's the ceo of QuickBase. i believe ed is ready uh ed how are you my friend
0: yeah i'm great can you hear me all right
1: yeah i hear you great good afternoon nice to meet you
0: yeah thanks so much thanks for having me on
1: Excellent. So, uh, tell everybody a quick, quick bit about uh, Quickbase, and let's jump into this. Uh, let's jump into this um, this survey that you guys ran.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Quickbase is in the low code, no code market, and what that means is is we help companies, and, and typically what we call citizens, people outside of IT, people outside of development, people without any business background, to uh, to take advantage of their systems, to plug into maybe an ERP system or a supply chain management system, and extract the data they need so they have visibility, to write their own applications in a visual environment, and just manage, um, and it doesn't matter if you're in sales, if you're in marketing, where you fit in the business, uh, systems that you need to run your business and make quick decisions. So that's the, and supply chain manufacturing is a huge part of our customer base.
2: So one thing when I was reading over the survey, uh, what jumped out at me was, you know, manual processes and time. And with automation, you can make quicker decisions. And I, I heard you just say the importance of quick decisions, but maybe you could go a bit deeper into the importance of being empowered to to be able to make quick decisions in an environment uh, in this post-COVID environment that's so volatile and crazy. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. So we we actually so a little bit of the survey. So about two hundred or so uh, sort of supply chain professionals, most manufacturing, retail warehousing, logistics kind of and mo- mostly managers and above um, interesting thing and I guess it speaks to the pain that that uh, a lot of your listeners have to deal with all the time is and this shocked us a little bit 79 percent says they say they face a daily or weekly dis- like disruption significant disruption major sort of delta on either quality of what's coming through or quantities or some sort of supplier or vendor issue like that to us, I think it was shown in some of your prior talk, like the the mismatch between what the expectations and the hopes and the thing is is dramatic in this space, and, and obviously it always was something to be managed, but now the, the frequency and the significance of the disruptions are intense. Um, so that first and foremost was was the stat and and it's hard to face those without visibility into the data that you can then make decisions from. so um, absolutely, this was something that we saw across that, the survey group.
1: That's wild. So um, can, can, you get, can you just give, give us a, a quick background on this, on this? Why was it important to get this survey right now, the supply chain resiliency, in front of everybody right now? Why, did, why do you think this was the best topic right now?
0: We've been looking at about a year ago, we did a survey um, and just sort of when we were still in it, but starting to things in the late summer, you know, certain industries and certain functions were kind of coming back online. Uh, At that time, 94%, I mean, we asked about a range of things, but what jumped out then was 94% of the response to that first survey said they're going to make meaningful and significant changes to their supply chain in the wake of COVID-19. And so, and specifically, almost 60% were getting after this, I need more visibility. I can't see um, what's happening in my business. I can't see what's happening to my suppliers. My vendors, therefore, I can't react quickly. I'm getting surprise after surprise after surprise. And so that is where it's causing this, Just this, and now a year later, the most recent survey, that's why we kind of dug in, it's pointed to the same problem. This remains, this gap between what they need to run their business and make decisions because it's this data is stuck in systems. It's stuck in vendor systems. It's even in their own systems. But as things change, new vendors are brought online, new suppliers, dynamics in the marketplace they're not able to get that visibility. Without that visibility, they're, they're falling behind. They're not meeting their report, you know, what they need to do to run their business.
1: Wow. based on that last graphic that went up, I'd say about 37% of the respondents were confused by the question because I don't think anybody's completely uh, prepared for the future in their supply chain. And I think that's the, that's the point of this thing, right? But uh, let's talk about that difference. I mean, one, one of the things, I mean, put that coffee down. We're talking about sales, right? We're talking about consultative sales versus tactical sales, et cetera. This seems to me like a huge change in the momentum of sales or or a skew in the bell curve of of sales styles, right? Over the last 18 months, moving from that, customers just want, I just need faster and faster service. I just need a cheaper price. I'm gonna dump you into Greece because this guy's two cents a mile cheaper in truckload or whatever it happens to be. Two, wait a minute, maybe I'll pay a little bit more because Richie Dale knows what the heck he's talking about. And not only can he give me a decent service and a good service, but he is, like you said, He's going to match my expectations or give me more reasonable expectations so that I can see what's going on and maybe smooth out those daily issues so that I can deal with those monthly issues. Is that what we're seeing here?
0: Yeah, you know, 100 percent. And sort of in the spirit of like we're all watching the Summer Olympics, it's fun to watch these 100 meter dash run straight down a line. Like you're saying, that's extracting sort of business prior to COVID and pandemic was just but that slightly faster in a straight line. Now it's a measure of agility. It's not just how you run a straight line, it's, it's basketball, it's stopping and starting, it's pivoting, it's responding. That, that's what you're being rewarded for. If you have the information at your fingertips on what's going on in your business, you can pivot and respond. If you don't, you're stuck generating spreadsheets, trying to track things yourself, trying to, trying to get around your lack of access to what you need to run your business. Because again, you don't, aren't integrated with these systems, it's outdated. Uh, your vendors you don't have integration to them so you can't see it through the supply chain it's uh, absolutely the, the value is now an agility not just raw speed anymore
2: but so it, it seems like um, you know when when any kind of system is put under a tremendous amount of stress it's that stress starts exposing weaknesses that may not have been identified or seen as being weaknesses before that stress was applied. And you know, that's your basic stress test. And so there's a lot of opportunities and pain points that are being exposed due to the pandemic. And and I think that your survey uh, or this survey did a fantastic job of kind of exposing some of those weaknesses, but what opportunities are being created as a result of the exposure of these, these weak points in supply chains?
0: This is, this is where we, um, we really see in some ways this is creating opportunity for, for QuickBase and, and for our whole category because historically the way IT would deal with systems and manual processes is you'd spec out a multi-month, multi-year massive sort of project that you pay you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to have somebody else in development build for you. The notion of citizen automation is, no one has time for that. That's not responsive. Can you push it to the people uh, in this like in sales, on the front line? How do they themselves start integrating in with systems that they need? How do they themselves start generating a web dashboard that they can share with their partners or colleagues? And so they can see all of them can have the same visibility, generate a mobile app. The notion of citizen automation is, allow people who have no technical background to build apps, to connect to the systems they need, to automate things they're doing today and spreadsheets and email attachments and sort of arcane manual approaches. And so that's that's what's compelling to us, and that's the value that we, we aim to enable for our customers.
1: And and I love that because you know, I in a, in a former life back in the day, I was a work methods engineer, okay, at LT at Roadway Express. And what that meant was. I I was not an industrial engineer, but I I was a liaison between operations and I spoke both languages, right, to convert and and to show that value and get that there. But what they saw back, and this was 30 years ago, was the value in the forklift driver and his knowledge and and with a computer science guy. And that's what you guys are bringing together with each other. What are some of those discoveries? I mean, it's in this survey here, but what are some of those discoveries and how are they exacerbated by the great work from home project, right? You've got companies that are still doing quite well, but they got to be missing opportunities, whether they be sales opportunities or purchasing opportunities or efficiency opportunities, because that manual collaborations of everybody in one office is now gone. Yeah. Yeah,
0: entirely. I mean, just the notion of Overnight, so many industries said, do you now work from home? And we went through it as, as QuickBase. I actually joined a year ago in May. So I've been running QuickBase and I've never met 95% of the people face to face. And so that, that's a dynamic that we all face in this new world. Um, how do we work uh, in a totally different way? So some of it was the easy stuff of just, okay, let's. how does the Zoom stuff work? How do we have more uh, interactive meetings remotely? That kind of thing. But then it got into, oh, well, wait. Half of my processes still include some paper based stuff. So you see a rush to things like, you know, DocuSign and ways to automate paper based, what it historically not been a complete paper processes, but maybe one piece like a signature that was still a traditional analog approach that had to be fixed. And so we see lots of it exposed so many of those, those weak links, if you will, in, in many different processes. And it was harder because we all had to figure it out overnight. And we didn't have like saying, hey, two years from now, we're going to have this thing called a pandemic and get ready because in two years or not, it happened to us in an unbelievable time
2: frame. Just to pile on to that question, it, you know, it, for what's your advice for salespeople that are selling to companies that are all remote? So you, you might be on a Zoom, you know, a lot of sales calls are let's join a, a, a demo call or a sales call where you have 10 people from a company and they're in 10 different cities. And so do you have any advice for how to empower, how to equip people and how to build strategies from a salesperson standpoint to, to reach these people and make it easy for them to engage with your company?
0: Yeah, what we, I mean, there's a, there's a whole range of the remote and we're trying to learn about a, a lot of that ourselves. But what I would say, and it speaks to a little bit to your prior section of, um, the best selling we've seen is is educating it's sharing information it's not it's not uh, just pitching it's um helping them co-solve for problems there and and you do that with information and you do that with data so if you have access to critical information that they don't you have access to next week the capacity as you were describing earlier is an often mismatch between what's coming in and the truck the load capacity that's be available to move that like That's educating them, that's helping them to run their business better. So in terms of your internal operations, as well as your whole wider supply chain, what can you expose and share with them that allows them to stay a step ahead? Um, That's where, again, where it's like people in the field dealing with customers know what they need most, the information, the workflows that are slowing them down, the workflows that are slowing their customers down. And so the more we can empower them to solve these solutions, build their own applications, do their own integrations, create their own dashboards, generate their own mobile apps. A lot of our salespeople will generate their own mobile app for when they're in the field or when their teams are in the field. That is citizen automation, citizen empowerment.
1: What an amazing tool, <laughs> right? <laughs> to be able to be able to do that type of stuff. I'm looking at it here and you see 55% of the, of the, of the respondents, extremely important extreme importance on, on uh, the supply chain to co- to company success. I don't think that's any a shock to anybody, not the three of us, and probably not a shock to anybody in our production room as they hear us talk about this every single day. Many of us here don't see that as, as a... But it's that reaction. And like Richie said, when you've got all these people, they're disconnected, right? You got to work from home. Maybe they don't have the automated systems or the way to do it. Uh, that consultative nature... Has to be more and more, like you said, that education. So, is it more and more important to really understand the business and the different verticals within a company to penetrate that company from the beginning, as opposed to getting that chink in the, you know, finding that 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 gap in the armor, getting in and then penetrating the customer for deeper sales, right, or wider sales inside that company? Is it more important to find that and widen that gap at the very beginning? to display your importance and your value add to more people in given the disconnected nature of these companies now? Hmm.
0: I think so. I mean, I think obviously the journey all along the way, and I myself have spent my career in sales and it's, it's, um, you know, at each stage of that, of that journey, there's certain information that's relevant more. So into that particular stage, and I, I think we talk a lot about real-time information. Something, something's interesting today, but but in your world, a day or a week is too late. It's no longer that interesting. It might be curious, but it's not going to solve their problems for tomorrow. So the right information at the right time is key. I mean, one of my thoughts on the reflection, of the last slide you were just showing is about the importance. I think the other thing to this notion of citizen that's really important is, unfortunately, and we see this, and we serve some of the world's largest manufacturers, a lot of times the supply chain teams are kind of last on the list of who gets large-scale transformation IT project dollars. So they can sometimes get caught behind. So sometimes the people in the field don't have access because it's not prioritized maybe as far as as compared to maybe customer experience, sort of front-end, front, front office-type applications. So there's another reason why they, sometimes supply chain professionals are put a little bit on their back heel because uh, they can't always get what they've wanted historically under the IT organization as quickly as they needed it.
2: I would hope that the the current conditions in the marketplace are are changing that. <laughs> There's a lot of focus, and the spotlight is definitely uh, shining on on supply chain at the moment. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, do do you think that the current conditions with the the big spotlight in supply chain is bringing that to to the forefront of of a lot of companies' decision making, or do you still think that it's uh kind of being kicked? No, no. The I mean,
0: this is kind of like the moment. You know, 100. I mean, you guys. have... How often do you see in the Wall Street Journal that supply chain is a feature story multiple times every week? You know, if it's the auto industry and the chips that that they need to run cars, that just the pervasive nature of that problem in many different industries. I mean, this is, and, and it's funny, we talk a lot about this. The last 15, 20 years of IT is, okay, how do you build a mobile app so great that you can one click and order what I wanted from anywhere in the world? But now the problem is there's a massive supply chain that has to make that happen. You can order it in two minutes. It might take literally several hours, several weeks or several months for it to show up. And it might be one element of a complex supply chain that throws that whole promise of sort of clicking next day delivery, you know, throws it out the the window for a consumer. And so I think like any sort of process, the bottleneck shifted from the front. Meaning like how do you sort of trigger these things to now it's, it is more the supply chain that sits behind it. And the people running the supply chains have the visibility and the, the controls that they need to, to keep up when their world is constantly being disrupted, which is a it's a hard challenge for sure.
1: Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Very interesting. And uh, hopefully you can uh, dig into this a little bit more. Ed, uh, thank you so much for being on a program for uh, people that want to learn more and get into this survey a little bit. Where should they go?
0: Yeah, if you come to Quickbase.com, uh, it's the best place. We've got links to this survey and just a whole bunch of other work we've done, you know, around sort of supply chain and in different ways people are speeding, increasing their visibility and and speeding up and dealing with the crazy disruption that uh, that everyone's facing these days.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much, my friend. Have a great day. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. So, a couple of things quick on, on LinkedIn. Tony Anderson, uh, director of business systems at Freightway, says all you ha- all you got to do is look at the rise in the price of goods and you can see what is going on right <laughs> now. Things are crazy, and you, you need to figure out your, your, your supply chain, right? Uh, Morgan uh, uh, Kernowen, director, uh, director at Canadian Pacific Railway, sorry, says, the real trick is to learn how to improve without a crisis, right? Yep. It makes completely sense. Constructive tension, know your process, and invest in the right automation, which I think is a, a brilliant point, actually. It's a very simple answer, which you don't like. You like the complicated answers, uh, but it's but no. Seriously, all joking sure. aside, that is a very complicated simple answer.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is right. like you can have a simple answer as long as you have worked out the complications behind it. And I think that what you're getting at right there is spot on. And the thing that jumped out in that conversation to me was the importance that sales for salespeople to communicate to their clients that they are on the same team. We are all trying to solve the same problems. We are, we, you know, salespeople, if you can communicate that you have their interest in mind and that your interests are together the same and that the sale of, of your product, which should be the right solution at the right time, is meant to solve the same problem, right? Yeah, And like the, the price is just the rule to the game, right? This is what it takes for us. This is the fuel that is necessary to burn for us to all reach the same end goal and conclusion, which is better, more efficient supply chains. Uh, I think it's crucial uh, right now, especially in this day and age.
1: I agree 100%. And I, I think one of the, the, the crucial things right now as well is when we dig into that, uh, just for a brief second, the easy answer of, be the consultative uh, salesperson. 100%. To me, the biggest part about that, right at this particular moment in time, and really throughout time, but now it's it's been it's so highlighted. Is don't make your solution fit, or don't don't make their their issues fit your solution. Make your solution fit their issues. Right, yep. solve their problem. Don't sell them on that. Solve them. Sell them that you can solve their problems.
2: Everybody's right? vulnerable, vulnerable right now, and and everybody should respect that. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for you having as well. me on the show, my friend. Good to absolutely. see you. Everybody out there, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And uh, hey, Kevin will be back when? Next Tuesday?
2: I believe so. Next
1: Tuesday. I'll catch all you people tomorrow at noon on What the Truck. Peace. I
0: got friends, only want business. I got expensive, because expensive. I got expensive, When it's expensive. I been
1: i am going nine stars.